worship was awesome this morning. Yeah, the presence of God's here. The presence of God is here. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. You see, I really believe that the division we face and the division that we deal with is not from the powers on the outside because greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. I really believe the battle is within. I believe that these things have been unleashed by the enemy. There's no new tactics. The spirit of murder is a spirit of murder. No matter how you dress it, no matter how you puff it up or fluff it up, the spirit of murder and the spirit of division and hatred and bitterness, it's all of the devil. But I want you to realize that God has called us to a higher standard. God has called us to a higher calling. When you look around at our church, it doesn't look like other churches, even in this nation, let alone this community. We're a church that's multicultural. We're a church that's multi-race. We have all different kinds of races, all different kinds of age groups, and all that stuff. Why? Because God said, come plant a church of the Gentiles. God said, come and plant a church that represents the community, that represents the nation. And I want you to realize if the devil was going to attack any church, what church would he attack, right? If he's trying to cause division in the United States of America, wouldn't he, he's already been making the church whimper down and hide out and crawl back in its little corner. And I say, no, sirree. I say, no, no, no. It's time for the church to rise up to rise up in prayer, to rise up in power, to rise up in our resources, to rise up in our anointing and our authority and say enough is enough. Oh, I think it's time to drop our nets. Yeah, yeah, I think it's time to drop our nets. I, I kicked this series off last week, but it's been something that's been in my belly for a long time. And dropping your nets is really about coming into your calling. I shared with you that in 2 Timothy, 2, uh, 2 Timothy 1 9 is a hallmark scripture of this house that whom he has saved and called. Not or called, if called, but called, but whom he has saved and called. So anybody in here born again? Anybody in here saved? Wave at me. Well, guess what? Anybody in here called? Just wave at me. See, see about 15% of the people raised your hand because you don't understand what I'm talking about. And you're missing out on the greatest blessing other than getting to heaven. You see, what the problem is, what we see, he said, 2 Timothy 2, 9 says, whom he has saved and called, what not according to our own purpose, but according uh, who has saved and called us with the holy calling, not according to our own works, not according to our own worthiness, not according to our own strength, not according to our own might, not according to our own knowledge, not according to our own influence, not according to the power of man, not according to the power of an organization or a religious outgroup. No, no, no. But we have been called not according to our works, but according to His, our Heavenly Father's, own purpose and grace which was given us before in Christ Jesus before time began. Before time began God knew you. Before time began God designed you. God set you up. Hebrews 11.3 says that he framed and fitted the world through his word. His word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He has set 
this world up for you and I. He has set this world up for such a time as this for his sons and daughters to rise up and be true royal sons and daughters of the Most High God. Does anybody believe that with me this morning? You see, this is about coming into your calling. Most of the body of Christ does all right living a saved life. But not much of the body of Christ does a good job living a called life. Now that word calling is talking about more than a missionary calling or a preaching calling. That's the problem. We want to put everything in America in a nice little neat box and a nice little neat thing. But the Great Commission wasn't given to go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That wasn't just given to just missionaries and just preachers or just evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers. No, 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 no. That was given to whomsoever shall believe. Whoever shall believe, what? Shall be saved. Whoever shall believe shall be baptized. Whoever shall believe shall cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Whoever is uh, saved, what? It says signs shall what? Follow them. It's time that the body of Christ stops looking for a sign and becomes a sign. When we're carrying our nets around and holding the nets of this life and the nets of our fears and the nets of our worries and the nets of our insufficiency and the nets of our care and all things we're concerned about or afraid of or worried about, we can't walk in the fullness of the calling that God put on our life. Whom he saved, he's called. He's called to do his mission. He's called us to do his will in the earth. We are his ambassadors. We are his sons and daughters. Second Peter 1.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people to show forth the praises of the Lamb of God who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a child of God. You're royalty. You've been designed for such a time as this. Don't be in fear, but live in the faith that you have in your God because he's greater than any fear that you could ever face in your life. So when we look at this coming into our calling, God told me that there's this, we're just getting, we're in it and it's getting ready to be bigger and greater, just a massive Move that he is wanting to do in this community and in this area and even in our nation. Well, you think that, that the devil's just going to roll over and let that happen? You think the devil's not going to attack this house? He's not going to attack every church in this city? He's not going to attack every area of authority? Of course he is. But I want you to realize if you read the end of the book, he loses. And you've already won. But we don't walk around like winners because we're trying to be preserved and put on a shelf or in a garage to be maintained to get to heaven someday. But it's time to rise up. It's time to drop our nets. It's time to move in to the position, the topos, the position of opportunity that God has placed every born-again believer in. So when we look at this thing called coming into our calling or dropping our nets, the reason that we don't is because we don't feel like uh, we deserve it or we're good enough or we're sufficient enough or we know enough or we have enough. But see, that's not the way God set you up. God set you up to follow him. Remember what I shared with you last week out of Matthew 4.19? 
when Jesus came up to the seashore, the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Peter, Simon Peter there, and he saw Andrew, and, and he saw others as well, and he come up and he looked at them, and he said, he told them to drop their nets. What he said this, he said, he didn't tell them to drop their nets, he said, but he said, for you to follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, first of all, it's not your job to make yourself anything. You're not the creator, he is. It's our job to follow him. And as I follow him, he makes me into what and who I need to become or to be. And so many times we think we can just walk in this little gradual change and notch it up in our lives. But that's not the way this thing works. This thing doesn't work by only you preparing or you getting yourself ready or you making it happen. This thing happens when we submit ourselves like that song that Rory was singing, I surrender all. I want to ask you, do you really? Well, if it doesn't interfere in my vacation, if it doesn't interfere in my family schedule, uh, if it's the right time of the year, if it's not too hot, you know, they did lose some ACs, they finally got them back, but it's been pretty hot in there, and, you know, and, or, or if it's not too cold, if, if there's not too much, you know, rain, if there's not too much snow, if, you know, we got all these conditions. But I just want to ask you, have you surrendered all? Because when you're called of God, it's up to you and I to surrender all. You know what? Dead men don't have any rights. The last time I saw a dead person in a casket, they didn't have anything to say. They couldn't even raise their hand. And if we're, a, if we're dead unto ourselves and alive in Christ, we don't have any rights. We don't live in our kingdom. We live in his kingdom. And he's called you for such a time as this. And the violet take the kingdom of God by force. You think Satan's just going to hand Nicholasville, Danville, and Lexington and the state of Kentucky over to you? You, you think he's just going to let you live that nice little Christian life and your kids will be perfect little children and your income will always be just what you need it to be and you'll have the kind of roof that you've always wanted over your head? Come on. You're in a fight, man. Your marriage is always under attack whether you know it or not. Your, your, your relationship with people is always under attack. Your finances are always under attack. You say, you're trying to scare me? But if, if I could scare you to get you to your battle station, I'd already done it. I don't have the ability to scare you because if you're not walking those three things I talked about, you're already full of fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. The old saying, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. And we make fear what we worry about, what we are concerned about. And a lot of times fear is not about bad things happening to us. Fear is about not getting our way. Fear is about did I get picked for that or chosen. Fear is did I get noticed. Fear is did I get to have it my way like it's the Burger King kingdom. Did, did, did they do worship my way? Did, did, did pre, you know, pastor, did he really teach the way I, that feeds me? You know, did the children's ministry really do it the best way for my child? Did, did, did the school system, are they doing it the best for me? You know, are the politicians working everything on my behalf? Let me tell you something, baby. When you're a child of God, it's not about you anymore. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about eternity. 
The shortest existence you will have is while you're walking and breathing on this planet. It's the shortest time, whether it's 60, 80, or 120 years. But you are going to live in eternity forever and ever. And you have been designed to be eternal, not to be temporary. And it's time that we stop allowing our history and our past and our present to determine our future. It's time that we begin to put fear behind us, doubt and unbelief behind us, our opinions, all of our stuff behind us, and move forward in Christ. Well, you know, somebody needs to defend Jesus' name. Let me tell you something. You may be pretty tough, but you're not tough enough to defend his name. Jesus is pretty tough. He can handle himself. No, he needs you to love unconditionally he needs you to show grace when grace is not deserved he needs you to forgive when people don't deserve to be forgiven oh I better leave now I'm this, I don't know. this is online so nobody may not even be here for second service but see I'm not preaching for you or for them I'm up here sharing what I believe God's put on my heart for such a time as this God has designed you to be a warrior. God has designed you not to be his leader, but to be his follower. I in the Holy Ghost house. Well, I just want to be a leader for Christ. Then die! Well, I just want to, you know, be in a, a prophesy, or I just want to preach, or, you know, I just want to be on staff and be paid, or, you know, I just want to be debt-free. Die! I want to raise, die. See, when we die to ourselves, then Christ is going to make sure we gain because we're, we're ready to be used. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Well, you know, when I make $1,000 a week, I'll tithe. Well, if you're not tithing on 100 you sure won't tithe on 1000 If I'm making $10,000 a week, I'll tithe. No, you won't. If you're not tithing on 1000 you won't tithe on 10000 why? Because we're still holding on to our nets. Let me, let me get into what I want to talk to you about today. So I talked to you out of Matthew 4 last week about it. it's not our job to make ourselves. It's our job to follow Christ. As we follow Christ, he brings the transformation. He brings the change in our life. And I want to talk to you today about dropping your nets. Dropping your nets. And when I talk about dropping your nets, which means I'm going to receive the call of God and drop whatever those nets are that I'm dealing with, whatever I'm afraid of, whatever I'm worrying about, concerned about, I'm dropping any nets of concern that when I drop those nets, I got to realize that when I answer the call to God, it's me responding to or putting action to or response to the opportunity he's given me. You see, it was up to Peter and Simon Peter and the other disciples, Andrew and them, it was up to them when, God, when Christ stepped on their boat and, and, and bumped out a little in Luke 5 and preached the gospel from it. It was up to them to open up their hearts and their vessels to them. It was up to them to trust him when they said they had fished all night and caught nothing. He said, go out a little deeper, out of their comfort zone. It was up to them to trust Jesus enough to go out deeper. 
When he said, throw it on this side and you'll catch something, it was up to them to drop their nets one more time. And when they pulled it in to the point the nets were breaking, they had to call their partners out. You know what happened? As soon as they got to the shore, what happened to Peter? Peter got down on his knees and repented to him as Lord. And he said, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm not worthy. And the first thing Jesus said is, I'm getting ready to change your dimension. He said, you no longer will be fishers of fish, but you're going to be fishers of men or of people. And even then, that's what he's talking about, referring to that in Matthew 4, the same encounter. He says, I'm going to make you fish, no longer fishers of fish, but I'm moving you into a new position, a new title, a, a new topaz, a new position of opportunity, a new realm of living. And now you're going to be promoted into becoming fishers of men or of people. Now, what's interesting about that they immediately dropped their nets, submitted, and left their boats in their nets. What did those nets represent? And when we think about it here with those guys, number one, Peter was a commercial fisherman, and so was some of the other guys, commercial fishermen. And so that net represented their livelihood because if they weren't using that net and if they weren't catching fish, they couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't feed their family. That, those nets represented traditions that they grew up in. It represented what they made their career, and they were multiple generation fishermen. That net represented everything they were comfortable with. It represented what they knew and what they knew about. You see, they were specialists when it came to fishing. They were commercial fishermen. They knew the waters. They knew the seasons and the times. They knew where to cast their nets and where not to. They were good at it or they wouldn't have had a boat. They were good at it or they couldn't have fed their families or clothed their children. You see, these nets represented everything that they were good at on their own. But what Jesus said is, I'm going to make you. You see, before they made themselves fisher of fish. They learned from their family, and that was their career, and that was their trade, and they were very good at it. But now Jesus said, I'm taking you to an entirely new dimension. You see, that's like a lot of people try to be a good Christian because they weren't bad uh, partiers or bad people before they gave their life to Christ or what they thought wasn't bad and you know now that I'm a Christian I still went to church when I wasn't a Christian I'll just keep going to church and I'll keep giving a little and serving a little and complaining a little and being there a little but I'm, I'm, it's all little because it's what I can make of it you see we never can attain the level that God can make of us than what we can make on our own you know, we could take this same thing over into our IQ with, with some people who are gifted in arts and sciences and, and you can become an engineer and you can become a doctor, a surgeon. You can become a psychologist. You can become all kinds of things. An investor, an entrepreneur in the economy, an economist. You become all these things, but so much of that determines on your grit, your hard work, because you were gifted and you got some breaks and some opportunities and you made yourself into some type of career or some type of provision that you can be comfortable with and that you can work in and that can support you and support your needs. You see... These nets also represents weighty things. 
heavy things. It represents those sins that so easily beset us. It represents those sins that we just can't seem to let go of. It represents those fears that we seem to carry around. Maybe we're not afraid of heights, but we're afraid of water. Or maybe we're not afraid of heights or water, but we're afraid of people. Or we're afraid of men, or we're afraid of authority, or maybe we're even afraid of God. But these nets represent things that we're good at, and they represent things that are not good for us. You see, these nets represent what you and I can bundle up and catch on our own. These, re these represent the kind of life we make for ourselves. And some of us, in the eyes of man, make better lives for ourselves than some other people make for themselves. It just depends on what realm of the spectrum you put your value on. But you see, God puts his value on the whole you, spirit, soul, and body. He puts his, his value on the whole deal or the whole thing. Turn with me, if you would, to John 21. And I don't know, I'll try to read it pretty quickly. We're accelerating time because there's a lot that's happened between Matthew 4 and then Luke 5 is also the same reference as Matthew, Matthew 4. And since Peter and Andrew and the other guys were called, I mean, they've got to follow Christ. They've got to see the Holy Spirit uh, move in his life in great ways. They've got to see him deliver the demon of Gadaria cast it out into pigs and see a whole herd of pigs run off a cliff. They got to see him raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. They got to see him call other friends into the kingdom. And they got to see him call, you know, the, the tax collector, uh, uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. They got to see him call, uh, you know, bring him and deliver him out of his life and how he was restored and a sinner that was brought into his place in life and his serving of God. You got to see Matthew, you know, the, the other tax collector. You got to see all these different people in their college. You got to see Lazarus, his friend, come out of the tomb that had been dead for three days. They got to see all these amazing miracles. They got to see Jesus walk on the water. Even Peter walked on the water for a minute or so or 30 seconds or so, but he walked before he looked back at his history and began to sink. See, Satan always wants us to look at our history instead of determining our future through Christ. That's his goal. But if he can get us to look at even last yesterday or last night or in the last hour, some of the things we think and wrestle with in our mind, he wins. It comes to a place where we can't allow these nets, whether they're good things or bad things, to be the weight that holds us down and keeps us from our tomorrow and from our forever. Because there are people that are depending on your future. And if your future isn't what it's supposed to be, there'll be many people miss out on the kingdom of heaven. And you and I will be accountable for it. But we come up to this situation now, and it's been about three years since their nets were dropped. In this time, Jesus was crucified. and Peter denied him and eventually cussed people out, even denying that he was a follower of Christ, remember? And other disciples were hiding and scurrying around. and Then they had found out that Jesus had supposedly rose, but they hadn't seen him yet. And here they are now. They're in a new situation in their lives three years after all these amazing things when they first dropped their nets and let down their nets. 
Now they find themselves three years later in a situation with what they think Jesus not being in their lives because he had been crucified. Let's see how they handled it. Let's see how these foundational apostles handled it. Let's see how the chief apostle Peter in the beginning who won 3,000 people to the Lord, men to the Lord plus their families and were baptized the first message that was ever preached. Let's see how these men, the great apostles like James and John, Matthew and Luke handled their time of darkness, their time of dealing with their nets. We think if I'd saw Jesus walk on the water, if I'd saw Jesus raise Lazarus from a tomb, man, I wouldn't be acting like some of these crazy guys are. Well, you know, you don't know until you're in the situation. You see, that's the problem with the church. The church is constantly judging one another, especially on social media. You know, it used to be that when you sinned, you at least tried to hide it a little bit. But nowadays, you brag about your sin and get other people to share your sin. When you're offended with someone, post it. When someone ticks you off, cuss them out online and post it. Get somebody to share it. You know, when you want to try to get a date, show a little bit of your cleavage or take your shirt off. Or you dudes try to show a six-pack that you think you have somewhere down there. You know, people, people used to try to hide their sin a little bit, but now we just post it. Oh, quiet in the Holy Ghost house, but pastor, look, I'm not nervous. I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm not afraid of anybody in here. I, I just want to tell you the truth. I believe it's time that the church gets back to living in holiness and power and authority and strength. But that doesn't mean we live in judgment, condemnation, and pointing our finger at everybody. Because let me tell you something. Jesus used his disciples even when their nets were on their boat. Hmm, I, I, we'll get to that. Let's look here in John 21, beginning in verse 1. It says, Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. See, that's what happens, is it? When problems hit, we go back to our old addictions and habits. When the pressure's too great, we just get offended at a different person this time, but it's still a spirit of offense. It's just a spirit of condemnation. It's just directed in a different group or organization. Hatred or bitterness or whatever it might be. We just redirect it. It's the same devil, the same spirit. Or go back to what you're good at. Well, you know, I was pretty good at this before God saved me and called me. I'll, I'll just go do something else. It's easier. It's safer. I'm good at it. Then it says later on in verse 3, We'll come too, the other disciples said. They all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Sounds familiar. At dawn, Jesus was, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows! Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then, throw the, then, then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, 
He put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. He had taken all the way down to his underclothes to fish. Isn't it interesting? He had stripped for work. They had already given up on the things Christ had said and went back to their old job to work. Jump, he jumped into the water and headed to the shore. Everybody say jumped. Say leap. He leaped. He jumped. He went back and he headed to the shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were about a hundred yards from the shore. Verse 9. When they had got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Verse 10. Bring some fish, some of the fish that you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. And now, and then he said, now come and have breakfast. And Jesus said, none of the, Jesus said, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Now think about this. Here they are only three years later and they had turned their back on the Lord, right? They had given up on everything. And they'd went back and picked up their nets. They went back and picked up what was familiar with them. They went back and they got in their boats and they went to work. <laughs> Taking care of business. Disappointed. Discouraged. Depressed. And broken. So many times that's what we find ourselves then what happens is they hear this voice are you catching anything isn't it interesting they were fishing all night and they caught nothing but then when Jesus said drop it to the right side of the boat that all of a sudden they took in a haul what gets me is that Jesus used Peter's boat throughout their journeys. When he walked on the water, when he uh, went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee after feeding the 5,000, he used their boats and apparently, think about this, somewhere along the way, Peter still had access to his boat, number one, and number two, his nets must have still been on his boat. If you go back to Luke 5 and Matthew 4, they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. You see, as Christians, we think as soon as we give our life to Christ, forget the gradual stuff, we'll instantly be out of debt, we'll instantly be holy, you know, we'll instantly be anointed, we'll instantly be gifted and talented and influential. We think it's instant, but we see it's not instant. The change comes gradually. You can't make yourself better because you're supposed to be dead in Christ. Only Christ can make you better. Only Christ can make you whole. Only Christ can make you free. Only Christ can make you anointed. Only Christ can make you victorious. But you tend, like me as Christians, to fall back on what we're good at 
because it's familiar to us and we know how to make a buck or do a thing or two or we fall back to those sins that we don't want nobody to see but they comfort us and they bring arrest to us and we hide out with them and we snuggle up with them and we're protective of them. We don't want nobody else to see them or know them unless we know they're in that sin too. And they go back to all of this sin and all of this stuff. And I think about Peter and how he saw all these miraculous things and all these amazing things he participated in for God. And then I think about how Jesus told him he would deny him and Peter said, man, I, there's no way I'll ever deny you. And Jesus had to rebuke him. And then a little later when Jesus was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane and, and the centurion soldiers came to take Jesus, Peter cut off the ear of one of the soldiers and Jesus said, no, 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 and healed the man's ear right there in front of him. And I'm sure it shamed Peter. I'm sure that embarrassed Peter because he's a fighter. Now, there is one thing that's true about this. If you're a fighter before you're saved, you, you stay a fighter. You just become a fighter for God. You know, whatever you are, you take that on in to God. Whatever your personality is, whether it's being a detailed person or being a person in business or being an attorney or being a teacher or whatever it is or being in a, working in a factory and being a leader in a factory, whatever it is, you don't, it doesn't change your gift set and who you are, but you will discover more gifts and talents as you what? Follow him. He will take whatever you do and make it a net to catch fish because he called you to a different place, a different arena. Not to just catch money. He called you to catch money to catch fish, bait for fish. You know, not to just be smart. He called you to have wisdom so you could be wise in catching fish. He didn't just call you to be strong because you could work out and be tough. He called you to be strong and healthy so you'd have the energy and the strength to catch fish. But we see Peter and the other disciples went back to what they knew and back to what they were comfortable with. But what's interesting, once John, the disciple that Jesus loved, it says, once he said, that's our master, that's Jesus, our Lord, Peter jumped up hastily, and what did he do? He began to dress himself, put his cover, his cloak, and his outer garments, and the Bible says he leaped into the water. He jumped. Now what's interesting, when Peter jumped into the water, they had just caught a huge haul of fish, right? Enough to not only feed them, but to feed their families. Enough to get their business re-fired up. Enough money to get that business going, and all of them could have moved on to the next level. Jesus gave them a choice. But isn't it interesting that Peter leaped and left a full net of fish to go after God. He leaped from anything of his past, the good or the bad, and he moved forward toward Jesus. You see, we're all saved and called. When we give our life to Christ, we're all saved and called. But you can live a saved life but if you never respond to the call, you won't live in the fullness of who God designed you to be. 
You see, even though Peter and John and those guys had responded the first time to the call, we have to keep responding until we know it's settled and we're in it forever. And Simon had to, he had to what? Peter, he had to leap. He took a leap into his calling. Do you know from that point on, he never fished again? From that point on, he became such a strong follower of Christ. He was the chief apostle, the first chief apostle that, that, that preached on the first day after the Holy Ghost came in Acts 2 and won 3,000 men to the Lord. He was the first. What? And he never went back to fishing again. Even when he was crucified, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my heavenly father. Turn me upside down if you crucify me. And they did, and he was okay with it because he was already a dead man. He had already left his influence, his, his talents, his skill, his sin, his fears, his phobia. He had already left them back there at the boat. But as I get ready to close, and I'm challenging you to make a leap today. I'm challenging you to... Take a step into the next thing God has for you and for this house. See, you can't get into the next thing when you're like this. If you're going to jump, you've got to be focused and go all in. The greatest challenge a pastor has is to go all in every time God says, okay, are you in and up again? You know how many, you, you would be, it blow your mind how many times I've entered this church up for God. How many times? I say, okay, Lord, if nobody likes me anymore, you said do it. Maybe I don't explain it that well. I'm doing it. Because I don't have to stand in front of you in heaven. I have to stand in front of him. And there's times you won't understand jumps I make. There's times you won't understand people I trust that fail or people I, that you didn't trust that make it. They're, they're, you, it, it. That's not any of your business. You see, change is none of your business. The same as it is for me. Change is none of my business in my life. When God says jump, it's none of my business to be concerned about what happens if I jump. It's only my business to jump. And we see here that these disciples, as they, as Jesus jumped and as Peter jumped and he left all and he came back, think about this. Somewhere along the way, Peter saved that boat because he wouldn't have owned it, right? Maybe he gave it to a family member. And then they used it occasionally for the kingdom, you know, for the kingdom business. But what's interesting, he kept the nets. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, Jesus saved people, healed people, and delivered people on a boat with nets? that had sin in it and imperfection in it and weakness in it. The boat looked great out here. It could get you from here to there. But down here somewhere hid, there was nets. Just like every Christian deals with our own nets. But we're so quick to judge your nets and what you have in your nets and what some other Christian has in their nest that we're so busy judging one another we can't reach the world. But what if we realize that God will even use us when there's sin in our lives? God will even use us when there's imperfection in our lives. Have you ever been in a storm in your life to where maybe you got a 
horrible diagnosis from the doctor or maybe there was something tragic happening to your family or maybe there was some financial tragedy or something like that and you know that you've been living the best you can but there's some weaknesses in your life and it's embarrassing and you don't want to tell anybody and you're working on those weaknesses, you're following God and, and sometimes you get distracted and those weaknesses get a little bigger but you go to prayer or somebody prays for you and all of a sudden God answers your prayer and he answers your prayer and gives you that vehicle or gives you that healing or gives you that restoration to a relationship and you go, wow. You know, in those times, you realize what grace is and you realize I don't deserve to have a blessed house with as much uh, hatred or offense I have in my heart toward a family member or someone else. Or I don't deserve to have that financial breakthrough to save our family's home because I know that I've got bitterness or, or I'm, 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 I've been, you know, a drunkard or I've been, you know, addicted you see, I'm not saying it's okay to keep sin in your boat. What I'm saying is the way sin gets out of your boat, the way those weaknesses get out of your life, it's not you making them go away. It's you and I following Christ. The more we follow him, not just doing Christian things, but I'm talking about following him Live the way he lived. Love the way he loved. Forgive the way he forgave. To, to give the way he gave. To serve the way he served. And as we keep following him, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And what happens is every time you take a step, something's happening. You forgive somebody and you think, well, what benefit was that to me? They're still out there running their mouth behind my back. But guess what? Something just came off you and God is moving you. You know, you needed a financial breakthrough and you sowed a seed and you hadn't seen that breakthrough for a while but you just know that's what God said do I'm following Jesus that's what they said the Lord said to do and somewhere up through here you get a huge financial breakthrough and you don't even give God credit for it because you're such an amazing investor or you're such an amazing employee that you got promoted well way back here somewhere you were following Jesus and he said sow a seed and you've even forgotten about the seeds you've sown because you're so caught up in where you're at now That's why the Bible says, watch those sins that so easily beset us. They set us aside. They set your power. They set your influence. They set your authority aside. They make your strength obsolete because you put your nets above the master. Coming into your calling requires dropping your nets. Whether it's lust, pornography, cheating, stealing, lying, cussing, spitting, partying, whatever it is. Drop your nets. And you'll be like Peter and sometimes you might pick something up in a little mini net and, you know, it's kind of your comfort net. But be a good cheer somewhere along the way. You're going to be challenged that you'll have to follow Christ so hard it'll be too heavy to carry. And you just start shedding things. And transformation doesn't happen instantly. 
Yeah, you're saved. When you're saved, you're born again. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away and all things become new. But you're still a human living in a cursed, messed up world, overcoming things in your mind and things that attack you and things that know your history. So if you're always looking at your history, you're coming in agreement with your past, is coming into agreement with your flaws and the devil. But if you'll look to your future, you'll move beyond your past, you'll move beyond your flaws, and you'll become new in Christ and Greater is he who's in you than the world and you will accomplish more and do more than you ever could by looking to Christ, following Christ instead of trying to get holy enough to make yourself something you can never be on your own. If you could be that on your own, why send his son to die? If you could be that on your own, oh holy one or not holy one, why would he send his son to be spat upon and beaten? and burnt, murdered and bludgeoned to death. Why would he do that if we had any power to change anything about ourselves? But as we follow him, he makes us. I ask if every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Roy, just sing that song, Sur I Surrender All, buddy. That's right, so why I ask you. I want everybody to stand for just a moment. Surrender I want to ask you right now. If you got some things you need to surrender, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to come up here. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you just need to say, I'm done with the past. I'm surrendering every net that's holding me back. I am moving forward with God. I'm not going to let people, I'm not going to let stuff, and I'm not going to let my history cloud up the vision that I have for my future in Christ because it's greater than any future, any dream I could ever dreamt for myself. You see, it's saying I'll give up this man here that I see for this guy I can't see. It's given up for this fear here I can see, for this faith I can't see. It's given up this pain here that I feel for this peace and healing that I can't feel. But I'm giving this up now. I'm surrendering it. My pain, my disease, my fears are no longer a safety blanket. They're no longer an excuse. The divisiveness in my heart is no longer an excuse. You know, sometimes we're so good at things then we got pride and we're so proud that we'll let God have parts of us, but we don't surrender all. We start seeing it in our relationships and in our families and in our uh, marriages and in our children and in our churches. So on a count of three, if you want to just come up here and have me pray a prayer over you, if one comes, or I don't care if the whole church comes, everybody on Facebook, I don't really care. I just want whoever says, I'm ready for revival. I'm ready for a fire in my life like I've never experienced. I'm ready to surrender it all. Now, now I know, because I've had this myself, and I still have to occasionally deal with it and try to get back on me. There's certain sins that, you know, it's not too bad right now because you ain't got caught. It's not too bad right now because it doesn't seem to be affecting your prayer life or anything. But you've got that little ounce of pride or guilt or fear or, or, or addiction, whatever it is. You got a little something over here. And, and, and I'm asking you today, here's your chance. Even if you think it's not bothering you, you better let it go. Because it just takes one snake bite to kill you. You don't need a whole group of snakes. 
So I'm going to count to three. And if you've got anything you need to surrender, you know, we can do raise your hand, bow your hand. Whatever. No, 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 no. We're going to look upright, and we're going to walk up here like big boys and big girls, and we're going to say, Lord, I don't care who knows it. I'm not ashamed. I got something or some things in my life that today I got to surrender. So I have no weights, no nets holding me back from following you. If that's you, on the count of three, run to this altar. We're going to pray a prayer right now that will set you free and, and, and will change and motivate you and bring you into a place of revival like you've never experienced. One, two, three. Come on. If that's you, get up here. You might want to get tight. Most of the church is coming. That's good. Just come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Come on. Time to surrender. Time to surrender our possessions. It's time to surrender our careers. It's time to surrender our dreams. It's time to surrender our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirit, our will, our plans. It's just time to surrender everything. Everything is His. Nothing is mine. Nothing. I give it all to you, Christ Jesus. I give it all to you, Lord, right now. Right now. I give it all to you, Father. I give you the good and the bad. I give you the past and I give you the potential. I give it all to you, Lord. All my interests. My weaknesses, my strength, I give it all to you. Oh, I today on Facebook right now. You can just stand up and walk towards your computer or stand up over your computer. Hold your hands up like our church is doing this morning and surrender all. Surrender all. Surrender bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred and fear and addiction. Surrender that homosexual spirit right now. I'm just telling you, God has a plan for you to be free. Just surrender that lesbianism spirit. God loves you just the way you are. Whether you do or not, but I'm telling you, He can set you free of that. He can set you free of judgment. He can set you free of condemnation. He can set you free of lying right now. Sexual sins, He can set you free. But you have to respond. You have to make a decision to step forward. It's up to you to respond. No one else can respond for you. You are accountable for you. I want to ask while you're standing here, you that are rededicating your lives or giving your life to Christ for the first time, just hold your hand up and wave at me. If you're rededicating or giving your, keep them up. One hand there, other hands. Other hands here. Other, you're rededicating or giving your life to Christ right now. Wave at me right now. Maybe you're back there up here. Anybody else? Others? Others? You're giving your life to Christ. Well, let's give a shout for the one that's giving her life to Christ right now. And sweetie, we want to pray this prayer with you right now as the leaders there with you, a couple leaders. Let's all pray this prayer for those and those of you watching today online too. You're giving your life to Christ, rededicating. Pray this prayer with all of us right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of sin. I ask Jesus Christ to come live in my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you for your blood that washes my sin away. I ask you, Jesus Christ, 
to be the Lord of my heart and the Lord of my life now. In your name we pray. Give God a shout for praise for those that are... All you got to do is text the number on the screen here in a minute. We'll put it up for you too. Text Jesus and we'll get in contact. Our prayer warriors are here. We have a prayer room here. I want to pray right now. Who's ready to surrender all right now? I'm with you. I got both hands and a leg up for me. I tell you, I do too. I do too. I want to pray this prayer with you. Father, right now, I just thank you for people who are real and people who are saying, I'm ready for whatever it is, God, you have for me. Lord, right now, I just give you everything in my net. I give you the good things, the good stuff. And God, I give you the sin. I give you the failure. I give you the shortcomings. I give you the attitudes. I give you sickness. I, I put it all back on you because you've already covered it. You've already delivered us. God, right now, I just thank you that people are giving up sexual misperturity spirits of uh, sexual sin and homosexuality and lesbianism and adultery and fornication. They're giving it up. I thank you right now, Father, that people are giving up fears and phobias and worries. I thank you, Father, that people are letting go of racism and hurt and pain and unforgiveness. I, I just thank you, Father, that people are letting go of financial fear and financial burden and being greedy and being proud. They're letting it go. We thank you, God, moving our lives. We're following you. Change us. Transform us. Transfer us into the position, into the move that you have for us. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a shout. Come on, give God a shout. Say this with me. On the count of three, say, I surrender all. I surrender all. On the count of three. One, two, three. Again, one, two, three. One, two, three. Give God a big shout of praise. Come on. Hey, on your way, on your way back to your seats, if Pastor Mark comes, I want you to look at somebody on your way, two or three people, and just say, I surrender all. What you surrender is none of their business. Just say, I surrender all. Hey, love you, man. God bless you. Just say, I surrender all. Just say, I surrender all right now, man. I surrender all. It's none of their business. What you surrender, but you surrender all. Amen, amen, amen. Give a shout here to Pastor Mark as he gets ready to receive our offering today. Amen. Everybody glad you came to church. Got a couple important things I want to tell you, but first, more importantly, we're going to receive our tithe and offering here. And um, there's an offering envelope in the seat around you. They'll put push pay up on the screen. You can give through that. But can I just connect the dots? Because some, some of you, you came up here, and just like Pastor said, there was something financial you were surrendering or surrendering that, that mindset that says, I can make my finances the way I want or I can make a living the way that I can make it. Listen, when a lot of us think we need more money, and we, Peter thought he needed more fish, right? He was out fishing. And then he got the haul of fish, and what did he realize? He didn't need to fish. He needed more of Jesus. He needed to trust Jesus. And so can I tell you, wherever you're at in your finances today, you don't need more money. You need to trust him more. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of put into action that trust in him. 
to say, you know what? Some of you, you've been doing your money your own way. You haven't been honoring God. You've been, like Malachi talks about, you've been robbing God. And you need to drop your nets. You need to surrender that mentality, that way of thinking and behaving so that he can bless where you're at. So let's just take a moment. Grab that offering envelope. Grab your phone if you're giving through push pay. There it is. You can text that if you need to. But let's pray over it right now. Say, Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity, God, to trust you, God. To trust you, God. We thank you that you are greater than any circumstance we're facing, God. You're greater than any obstacle we're facing, God. And so we need more of you. We need to trust in you, God. So, God, I thank you for this uh, HVAC unit that we just got replaced, $32,000. About half of that has come in, God. I thank you that as we get more of you, that as we trust you, God, even those in the congregation right now, God, as we trust you more, God, the rest of those funds, they're going to come in because we trust you, because we go after you, because we follow you, God. You make everything up the way that it needs to be. And so, God, we just thank you for that. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. All right, well, while the ushers serve you, let me tell you about a few important things. I want you to, uh, if they can put up that text Jesus screen. So if you were here today and you prayed a prayer to come back into relationship or come into relationship for the first time, we'd love for you to grab your phone right now and text Jesus to that number, 859-446-7684, because we want to help you take your next step. And so that's just one way we can do that. Pastor Dalton also mentioned right through these doors out here, across the hall is our care room, and some of our prayer team will be in there to pray with you. If you want to grab somebody's hand and just be encouraged and pray with them, that's there for you. Okay. I got like a few really important things. So Bethel School of Ministry, I know some of you are already signed up. Um, Bethel School of Ministry is coming. We're like less than a month away now. So we've got, we've got people in the front row who have signed up and are excited. Uh, but we've got full-time internships, which is 40 hours a week with lodging um, and a full-time course load and full-time ministry experience. We also have part-time 20 hours a week. And then we have every single, single person in this room. Everybody raise your hand. Just everybody raise your hand. Just everybody raise your hand. Quick, quick, quick. Wednesday night, night classes is for you. Everybody that just raised your hand. If you're disobedient, Jesus will deal with you later. Wednesday night night classes. I'll tell you, I shared it last week, but I signed up for what our version uh, 17, 16 years ago, we had Bethel Bible Institute. And I signed up for classes that are very similar to what we're doing here. And I wouldn't be standing here today living into my calling if I hadn't signed up for that. And I had somebody that we didn't have the funds. I knew God wanted us to do it. But somebody gave me a check and said, you're supposed to be in that. So maybe you need to sign up. Maybe you need to be that person to say, you know what? I'm not supposed to be there, but I know you are. And write somebody a check and give it to them or give it to the table out there. So right after service, um, you're going to walk out the doors and right through these doors into our office wing. We're going to have an informational meeting right now. Rory and Michelle will be back there to answer any questions that you have about Bethel School of Ministry. Maybe you're like, ah, I don't know. You need to go back there, get more information. Also, if you have furniture, kitchen stuff, anything that you might think might be good for a dorm house for our students, because we've got about 10 that are coming in. If you've got any of those kind of things, see them at the table or uh, flag somebody down like me that if you don't know who to talk to, 
because we would love to take your furniture that's not beat up and falling apart, that's nice enough for a college dormitory. So that gives you a level, right? Okay. River Rock is coming. If you want to sign up, if you want to get free tickets, if you want to volunteer to get a free ticket, there's all kinds of ways for you to get involved in that. This is going to be an amazing Christian music festival on the grounds of where Ichthus has been for decades with thousands, tens of thousands of people's lives being transformed over the decades. And so this is a new thing. Everybody say new thing. But in the same place that God has already done so much. And so we want you to be a part of it, serving, volunteering, buying tickets. And so you can find out more out there. And then let's see here. Belong class is happening during second service. If you want to plug into that, if you're new to Bethel and you're like, these crazy people are amazing. I want to make them family. You belong. And so belong class is your next step. It's not like signing in blood or anything, but if you want to learn more about who we are, how you can plug in, what your next step is in ministry or in connecting into the life of the church, that's your belong class during second service. Um, It'll be during second service, so you can stick around and hang out for that. Last thing is this. Why don't you stand to your feet? Anybody like to worship? Tomorrow night, everybody say tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at Quest Community Church, Rory, along with several other worship leaders, I think some of our team are going to be up there as well. You might see Kobe up there playing a little bass tomorrow night. Um, We're leading worship for Community Worship Night at Quest. And so we'd love for you to come out at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Everybody say tomorrow night. And so it's going to be amazing. Rory and some of the team will be there helping lead. It was last, the last one was tremendous. Just the unity and the faith in the room as multiple churches come together. It's a great, great night. And then the end of the month on August 30th, we are leading the Wednesday night service at Consolidated Baptist Church. So Rory and the team will be leading worship. Pastor's going to be preaching the word. Um, it is going to be an amazing, amazing night just to come together in unity. Um, and it's going to be a whole, whole lot of fun. So mark your calendar for those things. If you forget any of the things I just said, just ask somebody around you, but go follow through and do what you need to do to follow through on those next steps. I'm going to pray this out. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for salvation today. God, we thank you for surrendering all today. God, we thank you that we are not the same person we walked in here as, but we're going to drop our nets. We're going to follow you, God, and you are going to make us into world changers. And so I thank you, God, that today... We do that. We follow you, and you make us into something we've never been before, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you.